Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, people of the world? It's been a long time, I believe, looking at my schedule here of the studio time. The last time I did a show was back in August, and I definitely wanted to come back after that August, but things have been a little tricky uh, since my dad's passing. Let you all know I just came back from Lubumbashi. That's in southeast uh, Congo, the homeland. Carried my dad's ashes all the way back there. They were buried back home. His brother was definitely moved. His sister was definitely moved. It was. That's, I'm definitely going to make that into a show. It's going to be called... Uh, what I learned about America being in Congo for eight days. So it's going to be very, it's going to be very, very revealing because I learned a lot in my time when I was over there. But welcome back, people of the world. How y'all doing? Uh, let's see. Merry Christmas. Let's see. Happy October. Uh, Halloween, <laughs> Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, all that good stuff. Hope y'all are doing well and being safe. So let's get down to business here and how the show came about, all right? I know you've seen the title that says, When Dark Skin is Made a Symbol of Disadvantage. Oh, just to let you know, I'm doing some he- new headphones here, so hopefully it's coming crystal clear and crisp. I did a test run a few minutes before the show started, and looked, it sounded pretty well. And I'll definitely check it out after the show is over. Now, let's get back to this groove, all right? And again, if you want to call in, uh, the number is 563-999-3425. Again, that's 563-999-3425. I think was, I'm feeling I'm going to stay at this time, 7 p.m. 4 p.m. I want to do will trick I tend to leave the house late, and I want to keep moving the show around. So we're going to see if we can stick with this 7 o'clock uh, time slot, 30 minutes. Some shows may be 15 minutes. Some shows may be longer. At the same time, I don't really like a long show unless it's a rant where I'm reading a news article, and I'll be doing those over the next couple of weeks, because I'm seeing some bizarre ones. But this one here, uh, when dark skin is made a symbol of a disadvantage, let me read it to you. It's been disturbing and increasing narrative the last few days that having black and brown skin equals being disadvantaged and oppressed. It became clearer when a few days ago in a conversation with several friends, non-black or Latino, it's just that black people must work three times as hard as white people to be successful. And that I was wrong for saying that it's not true. And media makes it a mission to take every opportunity to post articles that continue the narrative that black skin equals oppression and disadvantage. People, let me tell you how this all went down. So I'm visiting some friends of mine um, over in the spot by downtown L.A. at a store. And they're uh, fellow Africans like myself from the northern territory, the northern area. And I don't even know how we got on the subject. I know I was asking my uh, my sister uh you know, how was the experience living in the South and things like that. But yet I have no idea how we got to this topic. Yet at some point she has said to me that a black person has to work three times as hard or more than a white person. And I don't know if any of y'all have seen me, but I'm actually, you know, dark chocolate. You know, I'm that quote unquote black person that she was referring to in terms of the overall scheme of the, of the, of the conversation. And I, when I said that's not true, she had like a negative reaction 
And my friend had a negative reaction. You know, they were all friends, and I met her that day. But it was a cool conversation. It was nothing but love and respect. But it was just very fascinating because she, would get, she continued to tell me the experience that one of her friends, a black woman, had when it came to a job or an interview or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. And I said, okay, that's, okay, that's her experience. But I said, black, I said, the reality of the situation is that black people don't have to work three times as hard. I said, it's the media saying that. It's people that keep saying that. Now, during this conversation, my friend, um, the friend of the friend, said, you know, I'm ignoring her experience. But the problem with that, and this is why I said during the conversation, because it was really nothing but love. It's how Africans get down in these kind of conversations. The problem with that statement is that I'm the, I, said, I said, you know, that's great. But the thing is, the people you're talking about look like me. They don't look like you. So what I'm telling you, my existence in this country is based on X, Y, and Z. That's my experience. I'm not saying we all have the same experience, but yet at the same time, this narrative that black people have to work three times as hard is so false. It is so, it's so untrue. So my other friend said, yeah, but, you know, you're saying that because you just, you know, you weren't born here. I came back with the, the retort that, you know, I mean, I've been born here. But I spent 30 plus years in this country. I've actually been in America longer than a lot than most of my American friends. So I've lived in the culture, among the brothers and sisters. I teach in the system and things like that. So I know exactly what the narrative is. And the problem we have is that she, and she was adamant. But that's my friend, the first one, she was very adamant in saying that no, we can have these discussions in reference to. Um, the, the experience of black people in this country and the challenge they face. And I asked, well, why do we have to have that conversation? Because it's not true. That's what the media is saying. The media is painting as though we're black. The, we're oppressed. The media is painting as though angles are evil. The media is taking that. So I said, you know, okay, look, because you went to an HBCU, I said, if, this play, if black folks are so oppressed, whatever, how exactly were they able to build an HBCUs back in the day, way during the day of Jim Crow? You know, not too far from slavery. How were they able to do that? And I didn't really get an answer. So the thing is, uh, my other friend said, well, you know, when Trump made the comment and ref- the asshole of Africa, I said, well, he never said that. They both have this, they both have this reaction like, oh, my God, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm like, I said, okay, give me, you know, give, let me see the video. I said, I said, he never said it. Let me see the video where you said he said it. Because everybody keeps talking about it, but where's the video? If someone said he, someone said that he said it. That's hearsay. That's not admitted in court unless you do like a hearsay application, right? So the thing is, when I came back again and said that's not true, I said black folks don't look like that. He goes, "Oh, I'm right wing." He call, he actually called me right wing because I didn't fall for the narrative that black folks are struggling out there harder than anybody else, especially during these days when you have black people running around. You know, the Joy Reads of the world. The what's that guy's name? Uh, I have to get that clip. These clips together for you. Uh, he was talking to Christopher Rufo. He's over there on MSNBC. I can't remember his name. He'll come to me um, shortly. He had a heart attack some time ago. Hopefully, he's doing okay. And so, and, you know, in, in that regard. But there, you know, Joy Reid is condemning is condemning white people. This guy asked Christopher Rufo, "Okay, what's it like? What do you like about being white?" This is how black people are talking today. But what's happening is that you see these conversations in reference to that being black is somehow disadvantaged. I saw a girl talking about Cam Stewart, uh, Cam Newton, the former New England Patriot, now Carolina Patriot. And this is an angle girl saying, yeah, you know, he's born as a black man, so he's already born with a disadvantage. And the thing that really gets me is when I see these black men on these TV shows, and I'm going to probably do a part two to this so I can have some clips so you don't think I'm crazy or anything like that. But you have these black men who always talk about, well, you know, as a black man in America, as a, okay, you know, what does that mean? 
okay, a black man in America. Yeah, okay, yeah, so what? What does that mean? Like, you speaking for all black men or are you speaking for your experience? And the problem is that you have educated black people. You have the Al Sharpton, the Ben Crumbs, who I don't really like. He's that shady. I don't know how he passed the bar, especially on the character aspect. You have all these people that come up there. They don't talk about the Ben Carsons who did surgery on, who, on babies who weren't even born yet. They go point the criminals. The George Floyds of the world, the, 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 the other – what was that guy's name? Uh, something in Blake down there in Atlanta. I can't remember the whole situation. They focus on these – no, not in Atlanta. It was somewhere else, somewhere in the Midwest. They focus on all these people who are criminals, who are committing wrong, violent crimes and things like that. But instead of focusing on that, they want to say, no, they, had, they were doing it because they were black. That, you know, to go, you know, I remember it was uh, Dr. Phil a couple of days ago. I came across an interview he was doing on the show. He had a black guy who was a conservative, someone from an organization out of Colorado, and he had two other black folks who were opposite. Uh, what was their day? I remember that day. I'm sorry, I just yawned. I'm really tired. <laughs> I feel like this jet lag thing. But they had, they had a conversation, and Dr. Phil said to the, the guy who was a conservative, and the guy said, you know, uh, the, Dr. Phil said, well, you know, they, they've done studies in reference to how, you know, two resumes have the same. I was like, oh, my God, are you serious? Two resumes have the same experience, but one has a black-sounding name, and the other one is a, a, a white-sounding name. So my, the first right there and then, my question would have been, well, Dr. Phil, what exactly is a black-sounding what is a black sounding name? Like, what do you mean by that? Because only that's the question people don't really ask. Is like, what, do you mean, what exactly is a black-sounding name? Because right there, there and right there, it just seems the, 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 the bias already, right? But anyways, and the guy said, okay. So about feels like, and we have definitely, you know, thousands of this, this has happened over and over again. So the guy came back and said, you know, we talk about that when it comes to criminal justice reform where, you know, people say the same thing. A black guy and a white guy get charged the same crime, and the white guy gets a shorter sentence than the black guy. But we have to look at the evidence and we have to look at the facts. Not the facts, but we have to look at the situation. Does the black guy or the, does one particular person have more, if, uh, more criminal activity or a criminal record than the other one. Now, the black guy who was opposite him, you know, Mr., you know, Wokarati or whatever, he said, well, we just can't look at a one-off. But the, the most of what got me is the guy's face. Like, he was so angry because it was an argument against what he was saying. Now, here's the thing. In, for example, the, uh, I, I, it, was like, it was like an excerpt. I didn't see the whole thing. But the, the conservative guy is sent from Colorado is saying to the black yeah, of course, Carver should be taught in school. Now, we're hearing that narrative again that black history or, you know, needs to be taught in school, like it's being hidden. Where is it being hidden? Like, what are you talking about? My father started, co-founded the Black Studies Program at Boston College. Then he started, co-founded the Black Studies Program, Black American, Pro, whatever, Black Studies Program at Harvard University. Then he did another program in Divinity School. What exactly are they teaching the HBCUs? What was the, the Nation of Islam teaching at the, those schools they had back in the 60s? What are they teaching at the HBCUs right now? They're not teaching black studies at, at, at Harvard. They're not teaching black studies at UMass. They're not teaching black studies at Amherst, UMass Amherst, UMass Boston, Columbia, NYU. They're not teaching that. It's always these narratives as though something's being hidden from the people, and that is so far from the truth. When people start off, it just me all the time, man. It gets all the time. When you have people talking about, well, as a man in America, what do you mean as a black man in America? Okay, let me break my practice. I get so guy break from Oakland Street with no other black person that had this experience that Dr. Phil had. It was why Oprah helped launch Dr. Phil. Maybe she, she liked talking to him. Maybe she was a 
in Hollywood, right? You know, it's, let me, let me come, yeah, let's say in Hollywood, in Hollywood, you have two, you have a black woman and a white woman, they're all black women, or an Asian woman, they're all white women and a Latino woman, but same qualification, same experience, they see something subtle that the director will like, the director won't like. All the time. And I'm talking about resumes that go like three pages. They may say, you know what, this is nice, but I think the director get along more with this person. Is that discrimination? Is that racism? Is that like hard because the person is black? No, that's the bad situation. But we all find these studies, right? We always find these, like, for example, you ever notice that the successful people, I mean, the, the, the Hannah Nicole Jones and the Joy, Joy Reeves, who's how she became on the lead side, playing about the oppression of black people, are very successful. And they never come out and say how they became successful. Al Sharpton, middle of New York, black and right. And we have that loop from BLM New York talking about, and I have to say is because the way he's talking about violence in the street, he's like, well, if these police come back on the street, you know, we're going to do blood be, uh, be pouring in the street. Well, blood is pouring in the street. And y'all been to New York lately? And y'all live in New York, want to talk about what it is? The violence is going up through the roof. We're going to talk about that when we come to defund the police. But anyways, here's a black guy who, in his conversation, nothing about the, the black people getting guns in New York or the Latino people getting them down. The guy who drove the, the SVU into people and killed, like, I think, uh, what, 17 people, injured, like, 49? People are talking about, oh, the, an SUV ran to people. Now, you know, if he was white, what would happen? So the thing is, it's like you. It's like there's some no-fly zone in saying that black folks can be involved in criminality. But when we do, when that does be being the conversation, it's like, well, because the black skin, they had to rob somebody. Because the black skin, they had to commit a crime. You have to understand, as a black man, I just hate. Tell me in the chat, people. Send me an email. How do you feel when you hear about that? When you hear that line, as a black person in America, okay, what about it? Are you enslaved? Are you saying it's why you have your latte in your hand? Are you saying this as you're, as you're walking down the street, just picked up some uh, headphones from the Apple store? Are you saying this on, on the way to work in your Mercedes convertible? Oh, but, but wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, I want to make sure I understand this correctly. Though. I, I, I want to make sure I understand this correctly. There are people on Wall Street who make so much money, it would make most of the black actors most of the regular actors, just the actors themselves, it make those actors low rent and po- poverty stricken. I know people on Wall Street. I used to work on Wall Street back in the day. I used to study Wall Street. Reginald Lewis, you know Jeff. I think the guy named Jeff, 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 Jeff or something like that, whatever. But I think he's, he was doing prison for something. I'm not too sure. But we don't talk about that. George, look at his wife. Go look at her. I'm like, like, her name escapes me. Again, it's been a long day. But George Lucas, George Lucas' wife. Go check her out. You know what her background is. Has anyone ever talked about her, or do you just see her in a see a picture standing to Luke? You're like, oh my God, you know, who's 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 that person standing next to him? Well, let me let me break it down for you in this land of what it means to be a black person in America, because you know we're so oppressed and we're 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 so being, you know, beating beat down. Her name is Melody Hobson. I just pulled it up for you. My apology. All right. Her name is Melody Hobson. Uh, let me break it down. I'm going to go to E! Online over here. All right. Uh, let's see here. Bear with me. I can know how they met. Yeah. She's a little taller, though. 
<laughs> but anyways, let me read some stuff here. She's smart, successful, and financially sad. Hobson has been the president of Ariel Investments, a Chicago-based investment management firm since 2000. Does anybody know about Ariel Management? It's a black-owned firm. And I, I actually, we came close to having her allow um, uh, collaborate with me and once present to an actress, uh, shadowing her for a day because he's doing a story set in Wall Street. Now, uh, this is since 2000. Do you see any black people talking about it? She's a story. Speaking with uh, Lennon, uh, Lennon, org, E-A-N-I-N, or saying that her founder and president, John W. Rogers Jr., took an interest and encouraged her from first day at Ariel Investments, and she determined to pay that for, quote, not as the president of Ariel Investments, Hard to mentor our youngest mates. She says, quote, while they be stories share from my firm, I often ask my men, quote, what is the worst thing that happened? All right. Um, sorry, is there is is there some oppression in her statement? Oh, before I forget, she's also the chairman of the board for DreamWorks Animation at KG, as well as the director of Group Point Inc. and Starbucks Corporation. Okay. Now, we have to remember that there are people that are struggling. But you ever the successful will never talk about the successful black folks. Especially those black folks who are successful. They'll get on my mic and they'll talk about being oppressed. You see people, well, Colin Kaepernick is essentially not black. That's another conversation. We'll get to that in a second. But they always talk about people who aren't, who always say, you know, the crime. Okay, why am I in crime? Because we're black. And we live in a white premise society. For example, let me, let me let you know here what Corey Bush talks about. Again, he's elect Jesus. Leave a single mom. In the they had like 40% angle, right? And she was elected to Congress. $175,000 a year salary, taxpayer paid, fee insurance, all that good stuff, right? And for all that success, she gets up there. This is what she says about the president when President Trump was in office. From Ohio, wishes okay. to reserve. Thank you, The Madam. gentleman from New York is recognized. Madam Speaker, I now yield uh, 30 seconds to a new member of the House and a new member of the Judiciary Committee, the distinguished gentlelady from Missouri, Ms. Bush. The gentleman, gentlewoman from Missouri is recognized for 30 seconds. Madam Speaker, St. Louis and I rise in support of the article of impeachment against Donald J. Trump. If we fail to remove a white supremacist president who incited a white supremacist insurrection, it's communities like Missouri's first district that suffer the most. The 117th Congress must understand that we have a mandate to legislate in defense of black lives. The first step in that process is to root out white supremacy, starting with impeaching the white supremacist in chief. Thank you, and I yield back. I'm from New York, wishes to reserve the... A loser. loser. What a loser, right? You see how she talks? Is, is, is that your black oppression? Right? Now, she's talking about black lives. Do you know what the murder rate is in her district, especially in, in St. Louis as it is? <laughs> and what it was, if that's growing. You know, she never When we get to our e-fund epidemic next week, you're going to get clips out of her But, you know, we never talk about it. Like we talked about. She's talking about black lives as though Donald Trump, Right? I'm not going to get, you know, Democrat or Republican, I don't really care. You know, if we want to have a conversation, we can have a conversation, we can disagree. I'm not going to down on you for any reason. I'm not going to be like Donovan, oh my God, if you're a Trump supporter, I'm going to be your friend. But this is what I'm saying. This is a black woman. The, the race, now, could you imagine 
if a, an Anglo politician, a white politician came out talking like that to black people, could you imagine the outcry? Oh, my God. They, 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 the, the Maxine Waters, the, the Al Sharpton, the Corey Bushes, the what's one over there, Omar Omar, AOC. Which is kind of funny because those two, especially Ilmar Omar was is talking about white supremacy. AOC is talking about white supremacy and all that stuff. And they're both, one is Ilmar is married to an, a white guy, an Anglo, and AOC is in a relationship with And I believe it's the same guy from you, not too sure. I remember it was a red guy, right? But they're talking about white supremacy. But again, kind of the Corey Bush, they're talking about black lives. Well, the thing, she's the one that, no, I'll say it for next week, but I'm going to tell a little bit. The crime, she's the one that wants to defund the police in her own trip. And the crime waste status came out. And so I want to ask, how come you spent almost $75,000 in security? And essentially, I'll have this next week when we do our on the police episode. And essentially, she says, well, I'm poor and my life in danger. Not, uh, do you want me to die? That's her attitude. Now, she's talking about white supremacist not, and we'll get to that later on. I want to keep it. I want to come back on the topic here. So coming back full circle to my friend, my comments, my comments, my friends, it was disheartening because I kept telling them, you know what, my friends, to begin the conversation of the show. I said, oh. <coughs> one second, let me get some water here. All right. Thank you. But, but anyways, <clears throat> I said, I said, you know, y'all are talking about the experience of black people in this country. I look like people you're talking about. And it's very interesting that we're very adamant that we have to have a conversation about black people. Why are we talking about black people? Why not Latino people? Why not Asian people? Why are we talking specifically about black people? This is my conversation with them. And this is why when I was coaching policy debate last year, we were talking criminal justice reform. I already knew what the conversation was going to do. And I already knew what direction the conversation was going to go in. Oh, black people are oppressed. Black people feel oh, my, the mass incarceration of black people. It's like I said in the meeting, I said, when I was talking to my few friends, I said, you know, we're in this conversation, but y'all are talking about me as though I, you're objectifying me. You're not looking at me as a person. You're looking at my skin color. You can talk about your friend's existence. Fine. That's her experience. But you can't use her experience to say that's everybody's experience because my experience is like, you know, okay, we are know the challenges, but I don't have to work three times as hard. And again, my friend was like, yeah, but, you know, you were born. I'm like, it doesn't make, you know, you were born back, you know, you weren't born here. It doesn't make a difference I wasn't born here. I mean, look, my dad had a business, you know, a publishing company. My mother had an import-export. Yanja has, you know, has uh, origination. Omey Kongo, Dr. Omey Kongo is doing business in D.C. He's a, I believe he's a Grammy voter, but he has like eight CDs out. He's doing all kinds of stuff. He was, he was speaking all over the world when he was working for the State Department. Like, what are we talking about, right? The problem when we say that is that we're objectifying black folks. And the sad thing is that it's not just the Anglos saying this. When you have successful black people saying this, this isn't James Brown saying I'm black and proud. This is successful black people saying this. Okay, then why don't you say how you became successful if things are so hard? Look at the Cori Bush. Look how she's talking. The white supremacist. I, you know, I'm, I really think about I'm really thinking about running for Congress just to get on the microphone and call these people out because I'd say it in a minute. I'd say stuff in a minute, like you know, Ilmar Omar she, from Minneapolis. She wants Minneapolis to look like Mogadishu, like like the one that she fled. She wants to like join the warlords of like the '90s. That's what she wants. But again, I'm gonna save that for the defund the police episode next week because everybody's been writing me about that episode. I said I will get that. But this one, when did dark skin? become disadvantaged you pick up black magazines being black in america what the f- what the what does that mean 
what does that mean? Being black in America is like it's a negative thing. You have the Asians, Kimmy Chu, and you have Lauren Chen, those guys, Kimmy Chu, I think Hope pronounced his last name correctly, it's XU, has a book called, I believe, The Inconvenient Minority. And when her, she's like, oh, the white people don't know what to do with us. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah right. These are the same people in California when they wanted to take uh, racial quotas or affirmative action for education off the ballot. It was the Asian community that fought to keep it on there. Why? Because they benefited more for than black people. The exam schools in New York, when they want to change the mandate, so, you know, change the, you know, the exam structure so they can have more black and Latinos, it was the that they act as though they, the schools belong to them. Really? Lauren Chen and Kenny Chu tend to be on the shows, whatever, and Lauren Chen, without, with, 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 without question, will always say something along the lines of, is, you know, black, you know, Asian people study harder. They come from, you know, families, all this kind of stuff, and black people like entertainment, black people like music, and all this kind of stuff. As though, I'm like, re- like, really? Do you know, and I did some research, and it may have changed, I've done it last year, that in the Asian community, the the, the uh, the Asian group that's the wealthiest is the ones from India, and Chinese are way further below the ladder than the Indians. But Lauren won't talk about that because when they talk about Asians, they're talking about in China. But when you go to England, from what I understand, you go to Europe, when you talk about Asians, they're talking about from like Southeast Asia, like India, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, and uh, India, Pakistan, what have you, right? I'm, is, 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 is Sri Lanka involved in that? I believe that's in that same group, right? But Lauren Chen will always say that. She'll always say that. At some point, she'll say that black folks don't study. Oh, okay. Or they don't take education serious. How does she? How does she? What evidence does she have to? What what evidence does she have to prove that? Like what? Let me let me, let me give an example, right? Okay. At the exam schools, they're talking about. I think it's at Jefferson, somewhere on the East Coast, or somewhere in the South, or Southeast, or maybe. And it was down to it's down to Asians. I believe it was like somewhere near a black uh, high, na- neighborhood. So they said we're going to get rid of the uh, the testing and stuff like that. I can't remember what the the structure they was going to use to let people in the school. I can't remember. I apologize. But what happened was what a lot of people theorized was going to happen. The number of black students didn't go up. It was the number of white students went up. Yeah, the number of white students went up at this school. Now, my thing is the plan I would have is the agents who are in that school or the people that runs that school should create programs and workshops where they're working with the kids in the surrounding neighborhood, right, on how to do better on the exam. That's all it comes down to. You know, when you're studying for an exam all the time, you're going to do better on it. But you know what? We're going to, that's why the next show is going to talk about education because that's going down the tubes as well. So the thing is, coming full circle again back to that conversation with my friends, it was like, it, it, you know, it's really hard sometimes to even turn on the TV and see white people talking about black people as though we're at a disadvantage. Like they're oppressing the NFL, you know, that lost one, Colin Kaepernick aside, but, you know, we're oppressing the NFL, multi-millionaires in the NFL, multi-millionaires in the, in the NBA, multi-millionaires in baseball. You know, millionaires in in hockey. I don't know, like multi, it's a different salary structure, right? But the media, and they find just enough black people to say this. They want to make sure they pound it in people's heads, especially during the lockdown where people are watching YouTube and they have to follow algorithms and things like that. They want to put in their head that being black or dark brown like me is a disadvantage. Like, there's a clip uh, that Cameron. I can't remember his last name. He's an Indian producer, and he was talking about how he's a father, he, you know, he's a studier of Malcolm X and stuff like that, and how when 
uh, black rider. He met some black riders about to go in the writer's room. He said, you're going to have to work three times as hard because they're not going to want you here and all that kind of stuff. And I said to myself, that's what you tell a black rider, quote unquote, black rider, you know, that goes, that's what you tell them. It's like when you have to sit, it's like when you sit down with kids and they talk about, you have to have the talk, you know what I mean? Where you have to let them know about, the, I didn't know what that was. When you had to talk about, the, you know, when the police pulls them over, we have these conversations. We, in our kids, it's because again, it's black people back in the day who were saying you have to work three times as hard to, you know, to be successful as the white man. Like, re- like really? See, the context of that is totally strange when you look at the aspect of Jim Crow, what the brothers and sisters had to work on under back then, even through the forties, the thirties, the forties, the fifties, the sixties, early seventies. But right now, you know, it's, it's just that it's it's difficult when people, <clears throat> excuse me. It's difficult when people look at my skin and they automatically think I'm a disadvantage. Because what I said during the conversation with my three friends is, you know, when I'm doing a movie, usually it's like it's not like about 90% Anglos that work under me. You know, I don't mean like under me, they, you know, they work with me because I always look more as a collaboration, not people that work under me, anything like that, whatever. And so I, was, I can any, – any example I was giving them, they just couldn't accept it. In their mind, black folks are at a disadvantage. Black folks, when you have dark skin, you know, you're already born, you know, behind the eight ball, which is kind of funny because the eight ball is is, a, is, is black, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, hey, we're going to flow on this um, at another date. <laughs> we're, we're really going to flow on this on another date, and we're going to get down because this situation is only getting worse. And this past election, we'll definitely talk about that. It's just making it, it just made it worse, this belief that, you know, black people are under siege, the voting rights, you know, they want to federalize voting rights. That's what they really want to do. We'll talk about it at a later date. But people of the world, Sayek, you know, Sayek Akese, and I used the name Choda because that was my dad's name. So Sayek Akese, Yanga, S-Y-K, Choda, we'll just say that for now. I'm out of here, people. I want you to stay safe out there, rule the world, do business, and live your life. You can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.